All right, Beyonders, welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. This is the winning War Cry episode. We are excited to have you here. We're even more excited, though, to have Dan Herrera back in the studio with us. Dan, welcome back. It's great to be here. I'm excited. Too long a break. Even one show off is too long a break. That's right. You look a little more rested, though, although you might be drinking a monster right there. <laughs> no, I'm not. Can you imagine? For people who don't know, we uh, we record this at 9 o'clock my time, 10 o'clock yours, so that'd be insane. No, I've uh, got a uh, blinding light show from Warpigs Brewing. Okay. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Lubricate the tongue a little bit so that you're all yep. ready to go for tonight. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we got a great show ahead here. We're going to be talking about Fire Slayers today. Which is awesome because I don't know that I've ever really looked at their factions because I don't have any fire slayers. So right. um, I was, it, I know, right? So <laughs> it was fun yeah. to um, to kind of go through it, and we're excited to walk through it with you guys. We got some news coming up, and and today for our main topic, we're going to be talking about proxying and how to do it right. So uh, to kick us off, though, Dan, how is your hobby table doing? Uh, pretty good. I've been hobbying less lately, um, but since it's been two months, I've done a few things. I've painted up a uh, little mega boss Ooh, here. Nice. Um, so he's fun. He's my friend. And then uh, I've been learning a little bit MBS green, and so I got this little like, water wheel piece uh, that. Kind of went together pretty easy, and well, easy. I mean, it took an evening, but not bad. Painting it is tough um, because the MDF just like brings paint up, and if you try it too hard, you can just warp it. So what I've been yeah. finding is I just go with the natural like it's got little they kind of burn stars in the paint, so I just kind of the natural stars that they did and then just put some ink washes over it so it stays kind of it stays kind of brown everywhere but if you just kind of embrace it like you can kind of this little section can kind of feel like it's a little and the the size at least for this one is like perfect for oh that's awesome minis, you know um yeah it's it's three inches from here to here, so it works for Warcry. I'm really happy with it. Um, so I got another set as well that I'll probably use, and that's two tables of terrain for a lot cheaper than GW prices. I know some people love <laughs> having, you know, plastic terrain that's sculpted the same sort of quality as your plastic models are. I get that, but um, it's not a big step down in quality and a whole lot cheaper and it it's big you get big stuff with it which is really great yeah i think um you know there's there's almost like tiers right there's like your um you know your typical gw level um you know plastic mold injected terrain that you get and then like maybe a step below that it's like your 3d printed terrain like you can kind of see the line sometimes but not a big deal right and then below that i think uh, is what you have right there that mdm terrain that is wood um and it's a little bit thicker you know so it's a little bit more sturdy it still gives off a, what it is and then the ones below that are those like cardboard pop-ups 
that like can't yeah, barely yeah. hold a little model on top of them, right? They're just meant to be like a container, like yeah. <laughs> or a box. Don't stand on top of the box, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, uh, but I yeah, I think as long as you're not throwing the little cardboard things up there, like have a great game, you know. And like you said, yeah. you, that one that you have right there, that little water wheel mill looking thing. Um, it's, it looks great. It's big enough that you can have an epic battle at the mill, you know, yeah. and, uh, looks, looks one issue I sometimes have with GW terrain is, I mean, red harvest is great for this, but a lot of them, you can't really have a battle on top. Right. right. But, but yes. this one, you know, you've got multiple areas where you could have a battle. You could fit, mm -hmm. you know, here's the size of a mega boss here, right? You can fit lots of people to fight the boss. And then. You can fit two storm paths fighting each other on the roof, you know? So oh, yeah, definitely. Works great. Um, so I'm excited to get some games in with this. It'll be fun. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, I am working on painting uh, the uh, Sundered Fate and Nightmare Quest um, uh, terrain that I have that's been waiting for me. Um, and I need to get it painted for the Nova Open for my tables. So... Uh, the airbrush has been whipped out and it is doing its work as a <laughs> yep. right. So to, to get it done, I am happy to, um, say that Andy, um, he is, uh, one of our discord members and uh, Patreon members as well. He is working on some tables for the Nova open and cool. uh, let me see if he can send, if I can show some pictures. Oh, right. Cause you have like double the people you had last year. Right, so we have 32 people, 32 more than people double. signed up. More than double. yeah, we had wow. we had 14 last year. That's so incredible. yeah, so Andy is um here. Let me let me see if I can share this real quick. So he made this terrain table. You can oh, see in the video. So cool. Yep, I love that. Yeah, and and he uh, we partnered with a 3D printed terrain company from England. Their name escapes me right now, but I'll um, post a link to them. Um, uh, oh, Dark Fantastic, Dark Fantastic Mills. Mills. Yeah. 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 So you can see it right there. But Dark Fantastic Mills, and they're sending us some pre printed stuff over um, oh from England that he's going to be putting on these tables, and it's just going to look amazing. So he's he's pretty much done with this uh, grassy land with this stream in it. Um, we're going to put the terrain on it, right? Some ruined castles, which I think yeah. will look just absolutely ridiculously amazing. And then um, this is some terrain that he's got that he's going to be putting there. Oh, that's but this cool. is his um, his rocky kind of plateauish area that he's building with it with the wow. foam. And I'm those really are all like one inch one inch tall areas right there. You know that yep. you can climb up on top of. And um, cool. so you've got a lot of you got a lot of open, but you got a lot of um, areas where you can move. And we can put like bridges across like those areas and stuff. So that's amazing. Yeah, so I'm really excited. And you know what the best part is? Um, I believe that we are giving two of these boards away at Nova. Oh, wow. That's yep. amazing. So, so two out of the one you have, everybody has a one in 16 chance of winning one of these boards. So incredible. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Andy's super nice about it. I'm like, dude, are you sure you don't want to keep it for like the next year? He's like, yeah, it'll just take up <laughs> space in my house. He's like, I yeah, want one for me. And more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, I want one for me and I want one for my game store. And the, the other two we can just give away and I'll make more next year. So, wow. yeah. So cool. super appreciative of him. And, um, you know, we're just getting really excited for Nova. So, um, 
you know. Well, thank you, Light Ninja. That's sweet. That's so cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, but that's what's on the hobby table. So let's uh, let's talk about the news, huh? Yeah, quite a bit of it. So, yeah, there was, uh, there was actually quite a few that came through since the last time we do, which is, you know, usually happens. We we talk, and then, like, a week later, we get stuff, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, of course. showing up. So, it's our curse. Um, exactly. All right, so the first thing that I want to talk about is this White Dwarf issue 491. Um, it's the one that's going to be coming out, I think, in about a week or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's got a bunch of towel stuff, a bunch of underworld stuff, yada, yada, yada. But here we go. Might and Madness. This is for um, specifically the Quester Soulsworn and Royal Beast Slayers. Uh, it looks like they will be getting um, new uh, new kind of narrative rules similar to what Idenith uh, Deepkin and Gloomspike gets got. Um, cool. It says right here, discussions about how lore impacts rules, continuing coverage of the latest tale of the four warlords. Um, oh, no, sorry. That's <laughs> that's the wrong one. Right here. This is what it is. Uh, they're undertaking quests in their own particular way. One group are hunting down malignant threats and foul beasts, while the other are Stormcast Eternals. Duh. Right? Both warbands. Um, there's a lot of, let's see, White Dwarf brings lots quest. of delicious yeah. Yeah, lore quests, artifacts, and campaign rules. Which are supported by cards that come free with the issue. So, campaign rules is a big deal. I really encourage everybody, you know, if you play a faction that's gotten some campaign campaign rules, sorry, um, man, go go test them out because I really think the third edition is going to have all of these campaign rules are going to be baked into third edition. I yeah, like I know it's a tinfoil hat kind of thing to be saying, but I just. The way they've been rolling these out in White Dwarf, I really think it's going to happen. So I encourage everyone to play test these. Give them your honest reactions, what they're like to play with. Um, because I think that this is going to be our allegiance abilities in third edition. So let me ask you, do you think that that's just going to be for narrative or match play as well? You know, that's a great question. I have no idea. I mean, I'd mm -hmm. be fine with it either way. Like if they just is they gave every single faction its own narrative allegiance abilities and said match to play didn't have it. That'd be fine. Um, but man, it just feels like a shame to give narrative so much more mm -hmm. to do than match to play, right? Um, so, I mean, you've got to bring something fun into match to play, so I don't know if it would be this or something else. Who knows? But... Um, I, I think that people should be, at least be prepared for it to be in national play and to uh, maybe give them feedback as if it were going to be in national play. Yeah, I think um, like we rolled pretty well with the reactions in terms of the community. You know what I mean? Like everybody was generally pretty positive about it. Even the people that were like, eh, like they didn't really have to use them per se, right? So it didn't really affect them. And I think that. Um, the Warcry community adapted to this change better than some of the changes that you see rolled out in 40K or AOS or something like that. So yeah. I'll be interested to see if they go with something kind of big, like allegiance abilities or faction abilities um, that, you know, like maybe it's a once per battle thing. Maybe it's a once per game thing. Uh, like, I, like, I don't know. You know, they it'll be interesting. So big. I mean, every, every game of GWs that I follow that I've watched in addition change. They've got pretty big. They've at least 
yeah. change one major thing that changes how mm -hmm. the game plays every time. So I would assume we at least get one, potentially two or three major things that change. So who knows? Who knows? I'm excited. When uh, So uh, keep your tinfoil hat on real quick. Um, when do you think that 3.0 drops? Uh, two years from now. So okay, a while. But yeah, I do think it will happen. I know a lot of, one of the really funny things about uh, Warcraft players who are too online is um, there's like a, a pretty decent sized group who are just like all in on the theory that CW is trying to sunset Warcry. Um, <laughs> and like despite all evidence to the contrary. So yes, right. I do think we will have a third edition and I think it will be in two years. I I agree with you, and this is just based on the release schedule because AOS is coming out next year. Um, yep. like it's it's confirmed, right? Like AOS 4.0 is coming out next year. And like we like GW has been very transparent about their release schedules, right? Like it's yep. 40k, Age of Sigmar, then there's some of their box games. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um that includes like Kill Team, War Cry, like all that stuff, right? And so um they've got a four-year um uh, like time frame or maybe it's even three year time frame but um you know that they just keep rolling through and it's funny that the warcry players who are convinced that like they're trying to sunset it it's happening in the season of 40k i mean gw is just going to be all about 40k right now arguably their largest i mean it is their largest game that they have so you know it's, it's like oh why aren't we being shown the love we're being shown the door it's like well no it's because the biggest game has a biggest release, you know? So. We're still getting tons of war bands and all these box sets that we got the first year that we're not getting now. Not upset about that. Right. <laughs> I didn't really like the box sets anyway. I like the new war bands, you know, uh, which we'll get to eventually. But but yeah, I expect to see a third edition coming in right, right yeah. on schedule. I doubt that they'll blow it out quite the way they did with second of giving us four four versus boxes in the first yeah. year i thought that was crazy that they tried to do that um they definitely won't give us all that love for third edition but um right. it's still gonna come and it's still gonna have at least one pretty crazy box yeah for, yeah i agree i agree uh speaking of war bands we talked about the crew boys war band last time so you missed that discussion um yep. just but what's your quick thing on it? do you like it. them <laughs> oh you that's like true them. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I thought they were too busy. I think someone mentioned it on your podcast uh, that they were a little bit busy. Um, mm -hmm. Man, and someone else talked about how if, it, if the previous box hadn't had a monkey-themed warband, I probably <laughs> would have been more into a monkey-themed Cruel Boy warband. But yeah. as is, it just didn't make sense to me. So that was too bad. We've got a lot of Cruel Boys stuff at home because I bought Dominion when AOS came out and then uh, I won the Dominion box when I went to um, when I went to Adepticon. And so I have a lot of Cruel Boys. So yeah. who knows? I might get them, I might not. Yeah, I uh, I'll see. I, I I the problem is is I've like decided that I'm a war cry collector, so you know, like but the question is is I it's not a question of if I'll get it, it's when. Do I get it like when it's you know a year later and I 
don't have anything that I'm excited to buy. And I'm like, oh, sure, I'll pick it up. You know what I mean? Um, but I already have the Dominion half of the, you know, Cruel Boys. So I've got I've got that. Um, yeah. Um, but what we do have is they revealed the Wilder Core Hunter pair, human and hound to scout the mortal realm. So um, I guess they're called the Wilder Core is what we're calling it. Wilder Core Hunters. And um, boy, oh boy, do we have a treat for you all. I'm going to zoom out just a little bit. Um, this came out and pretty much blew up the internet like when we saw it, which which I thought was interesting because this is so clearly a Warcry Warband. Like it, it screams Warcry Warband. And yet they touted it as an AOS release that you could then play in Warcry. Yeah, I thought that was did. an interesting marketing tactic right there because you look at it and you're like, the number of models that are in this thing are, you know, is like a perfect warband. Uh, the models themselves look like Scream Warband. And the arrangement that they have up here is like very Warcry-esque in terms of showing us a warband. And yet, use it in your AOS games. Oh, and by the way, there might be some Warcry rules, or there will be some Warcry rules, which is usually the opposite. So that was kind of surprising to me. Yeah. I think it's just this this Cities of Sigmar release. Yeah. Everything, everything I'm getting from Games Workshop on this makes me think that they think, I think, that Cities of Sigmar is the greatest thing to ever happen to the AOS setting. And I don't really personally feel that way, but... I've been shocked at how many people do. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are just really excited about Cities of Sigmar in you know, in AOS. And so maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're just trying to piggyback onto this whole big release all at once and kind of bring out this Warcry Warband at the same time. Because a lot of the Warcry Warbands have been pretty good in AOS. And so maybe as an AOS unit, maybe they know something we don't. Maybe this mm -hmm. Warcry Warband is actually really good in AOS and, you know, those dogs just have some broken, like, smell butt ability and once you sniff a butt, all of your things get plus 12 rend. Against right. Butt. Like, <laughs> who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For um, sure. But I just wonder if that's kind of what's happening here. Yeah, I will say though, as soon as I saw these guys, I said auto buy. It's an auto buy for me. Like I oh, love really? these Tell models. Okay. Oh, dude, I love these models so much. Like all of them. I I love the I love the hand crossbows that they have. Right, the pikes. I love the dogs. Like, um, you know, like I love this like little this little dude that's hanging out in his sock. You know, okay, that part is wild. I do. I get it. I get it with that part. Why you'd love it. Uh -huh. And and then there's this guy. Like, look at this. Yeah. Look at this guy. Like little one eyed little frogs looking thing. You know, like. Um, but I I love it, dude. I love like the the kind of the cloak aesthetic that they have here. The leather cloak. They're almost like um. Almost like the witch hunters that I think that everybody's been hoping would come out as a war band for cities. You know. Yep. Um, so this is like the closest one that we're getting. Um, but, uh, I, to me, it's an auto buy. I just, I love the model so much. Yeah. Like I, the rules are probably okay. terrible because they all have hand crossbows. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're probably sure. shooting like eight inch range for like one, three damage. 
at strength three, you know, but I don't care. Like they're gonna look amazing. So the hand crossbowmen can get spears though. If you look at the oh. uh, picture, there's okay. um there's sorry, not the not the main warband showcase picture, but the in the little picture. Uh maybe okay. it was one of the I don't know, maybe it's in the trailer, but uh there were shots of regular old guys with spears. Yeah. Some of them can't do it, like this guy holding two crossbows, like he's right. in Diablo three. I don't I doubt that you could model him with a spear. But you know, some of the others, especially this one who's holding a crossbow with uh maybe top right, the one that's holding a crossbow with two hands. That guy could right easily there. be holding yeah. a spear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know which ones will have alternate builds, but I think you can get some spears out of them. Uh, and that should make it a little bit better. Yeah, but still, I mean, are we thinking skeleton spears? You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah, fair like, enough. Fair enough. <laughs> still, though, it doesn't matter to me. The rules, I already said this. The rules don't matter for me on this one because I just, I love a, I love the warband so much that, like, I'll get it. And, you know, it's like the people who love the canine shadow stalkers, like, they're terrible yep. rules wise, but uh, people love the yeah. models, right? So, and you got eleven fighters in there, so you know yeah. for objective missions you'll be all right, and then you just got to figure out a plan for you know certain other things. Yeah, so it should be okay. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing that came out almost around the same time uh, was we got a new fact update, and I pulled it up here. Um, it was funny because I saw Off Meta Musings kind of complain about these sneaky updates. And I, I mean, I agreed to him, like, it's like you should kind of tell us that the fact is out, right? That you're that you're updating yeah, this. For sure. Um, but at the same time, like, it was very minor as well, in my opinion. There was only, like, one major thing that happened. Um, in terms of, like, the minor stuff, there's, like, terrain stuff. There's objective stuff like how to arrange objectives and what constitutes where you put them and how you measure by them um yep. it's stuff that i feel like a lot of, of us have probably been playing anyway you know but just a little bit of clarification um there was obviously a bunch of stuff for the might and madness um like fact that came out but nothing um other than the first inch of the ruler that's in the crypt of blood is three millimeters too long nothing that would be shocking to the normal person. Yet another uh, reason, Dan, not to get the Crypt of Blood box. No one could get that box. That was hilarious when, okay, in our last podcast, for anyone who missed it, Justin, you were saying, like, man, $80 is absurd. For, like, there's no way you can charge people more than $80 for that set. Uh, it should yeah. be less. And everyone else was like, I'm sorry, it's going to be at least $80. But no one could <laughs> much it would come in at anyway that just is so funny to me let's get into yeah. this uh into the real meat of this faq though yeah so the the real one is page 70 universal abilities change the rampage ability to read this fighter can make a bonus move action up to a number of inches equal to the value of this ability then they can make a bonus attack action so it actually clarifies two things here that's not in the rule uh, Rampage says a fighter can make a bonus attack action and a, or a bonus move action and an attack action. It actually doesn't say then in the rules, right? And so there was always that question, and I and I know this because I got this as a TO all the time, which was 
well, do I have to move and then make an attack or do I not have to move and I can just attack, you know? Um, so this one is saying you make the bonus move, then you attack. So you kind of need to move and attack. Make the move. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, so that's, that's the first one. The second one, obviously the big one is instead of just getting a straight bonus move, you get um, the value of the dice as the bonus move as well. So, I think you, I saw your video about this, Dan, and you were spot on about this. This is a boon for some models, and this is a bane for some others, right? Which yeah. I think is great, in my opinion. I think it's, okay. I think, I think it's really great. Like, uh, we're going to be talking about fire slayers today who have on average a three movement, <laughs> right? And yep. so this rampage could actually be a real boon for them if you get a high quad, right? Um, yeah, so. and a lot of people complain about move three fighters kind of taking over the meta, but that's cheap move three fighters, you know. And what you see from those move three factions is they bring a lot of their really cheap stuff, but then you never see more than one in faction hero from those. They're always bringing in other faster heroes because once you get past about 120 points move three stops being sort of the bee's knees you actually start wanting a little bit of speed to to get your sort of bee into position mm -hmm. and so that can be kind of nice you might start seeing things like more annihilator primes or more lords of plagues things like that yep. that could be kind of cool yeah i think so and um you know, it was always tough when, you know, I mean, like, and I'm guilty of this. Um, at Gen Con, I was playing the, um, oh, what was that mission's name where you had to prevent them from getting from one side of the board to the other? Oh, all the, there are two Red Rover missions. I can't remember what they're yeah. called. So I, yeah. I was playing the Spider Swarm when it was really good still, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had, uh, you know, my Stormcast with the protectors and, and I had a prosecutor. Now I used Rampage in there, which gave him a nice bonus move, right? Like a really nice bonus move that was able to get him from like one spider to another spider to another spider, basically. You know what I mean? To, to do what he needed to do. Um, but uh, I, I, you wouldn't be able to get that because, I mean, he moves eight, right? So the best that you'll be able right. to do with him now is a six. So... Um, I, but I think that that's, I, I don't have any heartburn about this. I really don't. I think this is probably the best change that GW could have made to Rampage without totally nerfing it. Like, I don't think it's totally yeah. nerfed here, you know? Um, I, I don't the think it's totally nerfed. I, yeah, mm -hmm. go ahead. I, the only thing I can think of is if you'd gotten, like, minus one crit damage on the attack or, like, minus one at but that just would not have been nearly as elegant from a from a wording perspective. Right. So right. this is a much more elegant solution that it helped because of yeah, that rampage being too strong compared to other quads issue. And I yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see this play out. I've only played one game with this new rule where I actually rolled a quad. Uh so I played two games since the rule came out of only rolled a quad in one of them. And I, it was quad fives, so it didn't really change anything. But that's okay, right? Um, yeah. 
you know, sometimes it's going to be the same as it was before, and sometimes it's going to be a little different. So that's cool. Yeah, and um, you know, I, the Varen Guard are crying in their sad little chaosy helmets, uh, you know, and yep. and our RIP to their to their rampage. Um, but I mean, how many times, even just on this show, have we said, "Is this better than Rampage? Is this better than Rampage?" So many times. You know, but now yeah. I think that we do have to actually look at it and say, well, is this better than Rampage? Because for a move five fighter or something like that, it may not be, you know, like or yeah. or, or or their their quad, their faction quad may be better for them, you know. And Varengard specifically, I think are going to be fine because yeah. they have a build your own Rampage in Slaves to Darkness on a triple. Mm-hmm. If you get a kill, you get to Rampage, uh, which... Varengard get kills pretty well, so you can, if you start in combat, say double attack something, kill it, and then you get to Rampage. They just won't be able to, like, start in the middle of nowhere and do that Rampage where you move, like, three moves in a row and go 30 inches across the board. You know, they might have to settle for 24 instead, and, and that's probably a good thing. Let's be real. So it's it's um, not probably yeah. a good thing. It is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that was a fact. If you guys have other questions about what's in there, go ahead and check it out. I'll put a link in the description um, for you. Uh, but you know, again, there's just a lot of stuff about terrain and how to set it up and objectives and stuff like that. It's it's good to know, especially if you're the one that likes to set up the boards. Um, you know, about how the, how you should be arranging things, but um, it's probably not worth uh, spending like too much time on it here to talk about it, but uh, definitely go check it out. Um, yeah. But that's, that's kind of the news that we had it. Like it was eventful. We had, you know, had a war band that came out. We had a fact that uh, dropped on us. And of course we've yep. got like the white dwarf stuff. So um, we were having this trickle effect coming out. And like we said, it's sort of in the shadow of the big 40 K release, but um, I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. Like I got a lot of painting to catch up on anyway. And uh, <laughs> yeah. well, like, and, and, and honestly, I do not want to see any kind of uh, war cry release happen within the next two weeks, because then that could change how Nova operates. So that would be a just, nightmare for you. <laughs> oh yeah. Just, just wait until Nova to release it. GW. Okay. I know you're listening. I know you guys really love this podcast and we appreciate you listening to it. So, um, you know, just, just hold off until the Nova open and then you'll get all the buzz from everybody that's there. So, you know, (laughs) Uh, awesome. Well, that brings us to our faction focus today, which is the fire slayers. So um, I have pulled up Warcryer dot net here, which uh, again, a uh, big shout out to um, our friend who runs it over there. Thank you for putting this up. It is a great resource just to check things. Um, and with, you know, the free rules online, sometimes it's hard to pull open those PDFs. They're so large and bulky sometimes. Um, having yep. these resources here on the website just to be able to go through is really helpful. So thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's talk about Fire Slayers. You don't, I, I am going to be honest, Dan, I have never... Seen a Fire Slayers Warband on the table. Have you? I have seen a Tau Warband using Fire Slayers rules, but I have never seen actual Fire Slayers on the table. <laughs> <laughs> so I have played against Fire Slayers, um, but 
Uh, it was a bunch of, it was like a fully built out sort of POW Warcry warband, but then he was just using Fire Slayer's rules to um, do everything. So nice. uh, <laughs> I sort of played against him, I guess. Only sort of. Yeah, I I have never seen them. I've always been curious, though. I don't know what it is. I think I'm drawn to these half naked, you know, uh, dwarves uh, or whatever, you know, with their with their ur gold or their um, that that they have. But um, let's talk about. Let's start with their abilities. Um, they've got two reactions: one for the heroes and one for the regular fighters. The fighter is a very familiar uh, one. You see this in a lot of war bands, right? Which is when an enemy fighter finishes their move within three inches of you, another guy can come over and assist. Basically, they got to end within one inch yep. of that. So that um, helps. Like if you've got little chaff, obviously, uh, you can bring over a big boy to come and assist you in that in that fight. So yeah, this was I and a lot of other folks really hyped up these types of reactions because they can be so powerful mm -hmm. in certain situations but i think generally they're not as good as the reactions that are useful in more situations do you know what i mean where yes. they're when you do this when you take a 65 or a 70 point fighter and you trade one of the actions for the action of a 200-point fighter, it's so good. You feel incredible about it. But, man, is it hard to set that up. Your opponent, if you're if you're being courteous, you at least tell your opponent that you have this reaction, right? Yeah. Um, we certainly, I think we need to do a lot of work in the Warcry community about how you communicate your faction's rules before a game. That's a whole separate conversation. But Ooh. your opponent can do a lot to prevent you from really getting the most out of this reaction. And so, yeah, I used to think, before I had done a ton of reacting, I used to think that these types of reactions were the best reactions they'd printed. And now, I think they're just okay. I think it's okay. It's not amazing. Keep your eye out for it when you're playing Fire Slayers, because when you do get to do it, it will feel amazing. But you'll you'll only get to do it and really get real value out of it like once or twice tournament. So you say that and I and I think 80% of the time I totally agree with you. It's hard to set up. It's hard to really make a good use of it. Um, you know, like it's very situational. Um, as I have gone through the Fire Slayers like abilities and their fighters, they're a they are a war band that wants to fight in groups They, you know, they don't want to stray too far from each other. Um, it's almost like they kind of want to build a shield wall and we, and, and that'll become clear as we go through some more of the other abilities. Um, Cause they have a lot of AOE uh, um, bubble like buffs that like, if you're within six inches or 12 inches or, you know, I mean, not 12 inches, like six inches or three inches that you get buffs to toughness, strength, damage, like all, all those types of things. Um, and so they kind of want to play, like if, if you're really maximizing your abilities, they want to play kind of close together. So I could see how this reaction actually benefits this faction a little bit more than the orc one. Because um, the orc one, you kind of want to send your, your big boys out and let them go do their damage. And they're rarely within, the, you know, um, each other's way to do the get stuck in, uh, you know. So 
Um, I think I think you 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 may see it more with the, these fire slayers than you would with the orcs, in my opinion. So, one issue there is that sometimes the mission dictates to you how you're gonna set up, sure. uh, which can be a little bit tough for that kind of playstyle. But um, but yeah, I mean it's certainly not terrible. I I agree with you. I mean it's certainly if you can set it up does well maybe maybe that's one of the keys if you're going to play fire slayers is try as hard as you can to put your opponent in positions where they can't avoid playing into it mm -hmm. yeah i think i think this like objectives like they, they would really shine here you know what i mean like if you can get guys near objectives and have enemies well, coming on you the tough thing is you have to be at the objective first, right? Because if sure. they beat yeah. you to the objective, that's a good point. then no enemy fighter is finishing a move action. You are finishing move actions next to them. So I don't know. It, it depends on the situation. Yeah. Now, the hero reaction I'm less impressed with. Um, I mean, it, it's it may make it... only one hero, too. It's only it's, one uh, hero, yeah. Yeah, and and he um, makes you know it's when a friendly fighter is taken down again, super situational, and until the end of the battle round, you get to add one to the damage points from your hits and critical hits from melee attack actions, which is fine for I mean most fire slayers are melee anyway um, that are within six inches of fire. So in theory, there's a twelve inch bubble, which is a good chunk of the map, but um, yeah, I don't know, like. I'm kind of super meh about that reaction. Same page. And let's just scroll down to the hero who has this ability because yeah. I don't think that this hero is good enough. It's the Auric uh, Flamekeeper. I think he's terrible. Right. So you do have <laughs> a lot of wounds for 105 points, but man, that attack profile is not what you want. And basically you are sitting around with him, not attacking, hoping that they can do this. And then this by that point right a lot of your fighters have gone you've right. lost a fighter so your ability to actually have this activate in an aoe is very low you're giving up an action to do it so that's you're not attacking basically so what are the odds that that buff is worth more damage then yeah, he has a crappy attack, three, four, one, four. But what are the odds yeah. that that buff is going to do more for you than another attack would do? I think very low. Oh, super low. And the only time I can honestly say that it may happen is like an alpha strike from your opponent. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah, where where you're maximizing, you know, like yeah, they get an alpha strike and and boom, they kill somebody right near you. You're able to pop this objective and or this uh this ability and then most of your guys still have that buff but like when when does and that with happen the change to, with the change to rampage that happens way less yeah exactly that used to be what like the only reason you would bring 10 inch move fighters is for the chance to alpha strike and in a four round yep. tournament you'd get to alpha strike someone once in four rounds and you you, you win the turn that you do that so but now you can't do it so what's right. the point yeah yeah Yep. Yeah. Um, so what I do like about the Fire Slayers is they have a lot of um, doubles um, that aren't that aren't bad. The first the first one, the Fire Steel Throwing Axe. Um, I like I don't love these. Right, it's roll a number of dice on a four or five, you get a one. 
on a six, you get a two and you know, it's within um, six inches of this fighter. So like super situational, if a fighter has one or two wounds, maybe you try it, but like, and it's universal. So like all of them could do it, but I, I mean, this is one of those that I would ignore if I'm like, you know, planning to play the faction. Um, I can't imagine I, using anything other than relentless zeal most of the time, right? Plus three right. moves seems great, and on just a double, I would probably use that over this a lot. Anytime. I would be yeah. using that a lot with this uh, <laughs> with this warband, you know. Sure. Um, uh-huh. I, you know the the encase in molten rock is actually not bad from the standpoint that um, it. Anytime that the fighter makes an attack action in this activation, subtract half the value of their ability moving up or their move characteristic move uh, rounding up, right? To a minimum of one until the end of the batting rod. So it's like a half net. Um, Now it says attack action. So you think, oh crap, I got to like, you know, be right next to him. Actually the fighter, the hero that that is on, and, and it's a fighter and a hero. They actually have a range attack three to fifteen inches. Yeah. Um, now I don't think that this this hero is good. I would not take this hero. Like I don't like their attack profile at all. Um, right. You awful. know, with this. Um, but there is the. Um, I'm trying to scroll down here. Hold on, it's getting hung up a little bit. Um, there is a fighter down here that is basically the Ara Karthgard. Again, not great profile, but he's he's 115 now. But if you really wanted to control movement, a 15-inch yeet, like, boom, you know. And, by the way, it's after the attack action, not a successful attack. So you could yeah, miss, you miss, and they're still halved. So I think it's interesting to think about putting one of these in your army if you want to maybe control some movement from, like, some big rat ogres or or a uh, Varengard or something like that, that, you know, they're planning yep. on, on making a move. Um, Cause 15 inches is pretty far, you know, that's, that's, if he's in the middle, he can touch pretty much anywhere on the board that he can see, you know? So. Yeah. And after a move, you're looking at 18 inches as far as where you can threaten this ability. Mm-hmm. You can kind of pin an important fighter in their deployment zone. I'm okay with that. If someone included a hearth guard, in their warband, I wouldn't tell them that they were crazy. Yeah. But man, it's you're not doing a lot of damage, right? So I would never take more than one. But I can see taking one. You could convince me. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I I, I was thinking about that earlier and I'm like, I wonder if Dan's gonna be saying I'm crazy on this, you know? So I don't think you're crazy um... to take one. I think in general, <laughs> cheap archers are not where you want to be. in this game uh tutors as they get more expensive more usable but in general you know people have had so much trouble with shooting yeah like trying to play a ton of shooting outside of ko in this game and i think that those guys are generally the same but just bringing one for the ability to be able to like pin a fighter down in the corner where it can't score any points I could see that being very useful. Yeah. Um, the first triple that they have here, Duty Unto this Death. I actually, one. I like this one a lot, right? So if they have five or more damage points allocated to them, the fighter makes a bonus move action, then they can make a bonus act- attack action. So you're talking about uh, Rampage 
right here for a triple yep. essentially, a triple. right? Yeah, so um, that's great. And the odds of them having five points or more in damage, I think, is pretty high. Like, because they want to get, you know, stuck in on melee and, and do some of that stuff. So um, what a great way to kind of get them around. So um, they can bypass that quad, that need for the quad. And this is a lot nicer on the bigger fighters, but you do mm -hmm. get those 140-point heroes that we'll talk about a little bit later that can use this and can be pretty attractive with it so this is a good one this is a really great ability now the next triple that they have the sling shield charge this is your typical charge right which is like you finish a move within one inch and you do the damage based on the value of the dice right um yeah. normally i'm not in love with these because a lot of it you, you have to spend uh, points on expensive cavalry but with that said this is actually on your cheap fighters Right. And so um, yep. you've got your 65 point models that have these little shields and they're probably not going to be doing a lot of damage anyway. But if you need them to get in there and do five, six points of damage, because you can easily make a triple with a wild dice. Um, all of a sudden, like this ability, I think, becomes it, it's situational, but I think it's uh, easily situational. Like you can easily find a situation yep. where you would use it. More than maybe your I agree with that. I think you you won't use it every game, but you'll be happy with it when you do, and that's cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So now we're getting down to the quad. Is this better than Rampage? The, the Unleashed Runic Fury. What do you think, Dan? Um. <laughs> so. No. I mean, so here's the thing, right? If you are there's a few of these fighters where if you're adding five or six attacks to their attacks characteristic, that can be okay. Um, mm -hmm. So, for example, some of these Carl's, you know, the the Flame Strike Pole Act, maybe two five getting ten attacks on that. That could be that could be good. I mean, that could be worth doing over a rampage. But in general, the the profiles on these Fire Slayer heroes, each individual attack is not that special. Fire Slayer yeah. heroes are kind of in this awkward place where they all cost in between 150 and 100. So there's no real like heavy hitter who I'm really excited to use a quad on. Um, Getting plus, you know, plus three attack on most of these Fire Slayer heroes is not anything to write home about, where I'd rather just bring in an ally and use my dice on that ally for most of yeah. these situations. Uh, yeah, I mean, here, here's the nice thing, right? Like, um, the, the nice thing is that you've got a choice. Right. Let's say I roll quad fives, or I roll triple fives, and I make turn that into a quad. I could choose to use that as a rampage, or I could add five attacks to somebody who is stuck in with another person. I've got some flexibility there. Um, I could yeah. see it where um, you would want to um, use that. 
um, you'd want to use that uh, in a certain situation or or not. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think that um, it, the Rampage before was an auto-include, and now, like, with this one, I'm kind of like, eh, I could see situations where I would use it, you know, definitely. So I don't know that it's better, right? But um, I definitely, it's, a, it's an option, which I the think some other factions. Yeah, yeah the fact that it works on both attacks is nice. So if you're yeah. on quad fives, you're getting plus 10 attack. That's pretty good. That can let one of your Fire Slayer heroes actually go toe-to-toe -to -toe with something that costs 250, you know? Yeah. And that can be kind of nice. Uh, yeah. Can you rely on it? It's tough. I think with the nerf to Rampage, there will be times when you use this. And even, you know, even pre-nerf, you could see some situations where you would use this. Um, it's not terrible. It's just, I would never like plan for it. And I would never, like I would yeah. never run into combat with something that was bigger than me, hoping that I get a quad the next round. You know what I mean? That, that's, um, yeah. And I think if I was playing against Fire, fire Slayers, I would never choose not to engage out of fear of this quad you know if it happens it happens so. right yeah. yeah yeah absolutely um so the hero abilities um that we're going to talk about here this is this is where i was sort of getting the impression that they like to clump up right um this volcano's call um not a great ability it works on one fighter that they have it's one of those you know choose something within 12 inches roll you know roll um the dice equal to the value of the ability four five is one and a six is two. And I'm like, ugh, this is a terrible ability. Don't ever use that. Yeah. So. <laughs> and this runic empowerment and this log leader are also clump up, but they're both bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, honor our oaths is bad. Uh, anything that requires you to get a kill before you use it is not good on any fighter that costs less than 275 points um, <laughs> because it's just too hard to get kills, right? right? On really expensive fighters, it's super easy to get kills. Um, yeah. So you can use those abilities. But generally, if you have to get a kill to use it, it's not good if you have yeah. a normal-sized fighter. Well, and look, the runic empowerment, right, which is um, you pick someone within three inches and then they get a add the value to their strength characteristic. Okay, the problem is is you have to take that that fighter who's not good. Yep. We'll talk. Um, let's see that that fighter is the or Oric Rune Smiter. He, he, for 110 points, you get three attacks, strength four, one four damage. Like uh, not yikes! Usable. I not use no, no. So so like even though that you're like okay, that might be okay to add the strength though. You could go toe to toe with like a Stormcast or something like that. Uh, wait, no, I'm not actually going to include that model that can use that in my army. So, um, right. the lodge leader that's your uh, Oric Rune Father and Rune Son, um, those not guys usable. are traps, right? They, yeah. they they make you think that they're actually not bad, but they're not that great. And this ability here, which is add one to the strength characteristic of melee actions, um, while they're within six of this fighter, again, like. You have to it pop it at the, the beginning word. of the round and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So it includes the word yeah. visible, which is a really great key to tell you not to use it. Uh, <laughs> it's 
if your ability says visible friendly fighters, your ability is not playable. So yeah, uh, yeah, you can't use Lodge Leader. Uh, Honor yeah. our oaths. I said why you can't use it. Icon yep. of Grimnir. Um, add the toughness characteristic of friendly fighters within three inches. That's a pretty small bubble, and it's a triple to boost yeah. the toughness. And the hero who has it is not the battlesmith. Good. The battlesmith is not good. 120 no. for three four two four is not good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're so they're totally self-selecting here. You know what I mean? Like um yeah. now the uh the battle fury until the end of this battle round, this is a quad. Uh add the value of this ability uh, the value of this ability to the move characteristic of this uh fighter. In addition, this fighter makes a bonus move action, then they can make a bonus attack action. So for that fighter, rampage. yeah, for that fighter it's better than rampage. Right? Significantly so, better. Yeah, and, and Grimrath Berserker, who yes. we can maybe talk about. Um, I think both you and I think that there are three fighters who are pretty clearly better than the Grimrath, but you can play this. You could convince me to maybe a narrative where you can maybe boost the, um, you know, boost the attack profile with some artifacts, things like that. Getting. Yeah getting that quad especially a narrative where you know you're going to play a lot of games with the same warband you're going to get that quad eventually right in you know you do get a quad in two-thirds of games and if you have a right. couple artifacts on this guy and you're getting these like crazy super rampages you could convince me to do that um yeah i don't think yeah, i would I ever think... do it for match play I think he's an honorable mention, right? Like, sure. he's, he's, he's our honorable mention. So that brings us... So we're going to talk about the winners and losers of the Fire Slayers heroes. The, pro, the problem with the Fire Slayers is that they have a hero problem. They've got, like, a billion heroes and only a oh, few man. fighters, you know? And so um, what I, let's start with the winners. Um, sure. Who are... Like, and we, we both kind of came to the conclusion of three, three that we liked. Um, and independently, we kind of message each other Discord, and we're like, "Oh yeah, those are those are the ones I like too, right?" So, yeah. who are the three that you like? I'll start. Um, I'll start with it's because it's really two. Uh, okay. So I'll start with the Doomseeker. The yeah. Doomseeker is cool. 135 points for a five attacks, strength four, two four profile, um, and 20 wounds. So. You can kind of think of the Doomseeker as just a little Stormcast guy coming yeah. around. You know, he's a little bit more killable with, with four toughness instead of five, but he's got more damage than a similar point Stormcast would have. Um, so that's that's great. I think he can just be a really nice, self-sufficient, you know, mm. boost his move to get him into position, and then people are going to fear those five attacks. And Five attack fighters, I'm generally skeptical of because of Walker, unless their attacks do a ton. But he's only 135 points, right? So, yeah. um, you know, if you take a bunch of damage back from counter, that's okay. You probably de dealt a bunch of damage as well, and then he did his job. If he kills two chaff fighters, he did his job. And I think he's yeah. going to have a really easy time doing that. So 
I like the Doom Seeker quite a bit. I do too. Um, I think that uh, he's probably the best choice in the list um, in terms of, and, and it really is that five attacks. And I understand your hesitation with the counter because there are people are using that more and more um, as they see that like it's a it's a great way to like let your chaff basically chip away that we're at something that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Yeah. But he's also not a strength three, so he's not going to be missing a lot either. I mean, strength four is the average, you know, roughly. So yeah. unless he's going against like toughness five, like um, it probably the, the, you know, unless you get some horrible dice rolls, the, the counter is probably not going to do a ton against him um, for your chaff model. So yeah, I, I like him a lot. Point. Those, you deep, know. those deep fighters, they're not going to hurt his him that bad on counter because of the strength four. And then defensive fighters, they're not going to be reacting because they want to use their real attack. And so in yeah. that situation, you'll be really glad you have five attacks. So right. yeah, there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot of play with the doom seeker. Um, but you were also pretty excited about the uh, berserker cars, I think. And I think they're pretty good yeah. too. So do you want so, to talk about so, those? Well, yeah. One thing I did want to mention about the doom seeker is he only has the hero rune mark. But as we just went through all of those hero abilities, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Normally, when you only see the hero room mark, you're like, oh, geez. Like, I'm really limiting myself here. But no, 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 no it's fine. Because he still has access to all of the great universal fighter abilities as well. The move, you know, like a, like all of those things. So um, yeah. it's not that's not a feature. or That's not a bug, guys. That's a feature with the Fire Slayers is not having yeah. extra heroic room marks, you know. So, um <laughs> I do like the Hearthguard Berserker. Um, and now you've got two options. You have the Broadaxe. So this, sorry, this is a Hearthguard Berserker Carl, which means it's basically the leader of the Hearthguard Berserkers, right? You have one with the Berserker Broadaxe, and then you have one with the Flame Strike Polaxe. They're exactly the same points, you know, movement, toughness, wounds, everything like that. The only difference is that the Berserker with the Broadaxe um, he is two inch profile, four attacks, five strength, two four damage. The pole axe is two attacks, or sorry, two two range, four attacks, four strength, so one less strength, um, two five damage, so one extra critical hit. I prefer in this situation the berserker with a broad axe because I think that that point of strength tips him more than that extra point of crit damage, in my opinion. Yeah. So he, he can go up against some, you know, toughies at five, and then he can find those chaff at four and really lay into them with four attacks, you know, and and use that two-inch range on that too, which is nothing to sneeze at with these guys. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's yeah. really only against toughness six where you'd rather have the pole axe. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I think you're much happier with the broad axe. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I did like, and it was really just for points, uh, is the Volkite Berserker Carl. Now, he has the same movement, toughness, and wounds as the Hearthguard Berserker Carl, uh, but his attack profile is four attacks, strength four, two, four damage. So he's very similar, actually to the flame strike Polaxe because he just doesn't have that one extra crit point, but he comes in at 110 points instead of 140. 
right? Yeah. So that saves you an extra 40 points. So I, I like him here. The thing that he doesn't have that the other two do, um, the other have the elite, or is that the warrior rune mark? Yeah, it's the one that gives them a rampage on a triple. And for me, yeah. that's the big reason to take those Carls. Yes. Yeah. Once they've taken five points of damage, they are terrifying, which really forces your opponent to either avoid them or go all in on them. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's a nice little constraint to put on your opponent because the second they take five damage, all of a sudden getting a rampage on a triple is just really good value. And so that can be pretty terrifying. Yeah, but if you're struggling to find 30 points... Don't don't pass up the Volkite Berserker Carl in my opinion. I, I think he's I think he's a pretty good value at 110. Um yeah. there as a leader, you know. Um who are your losers in this in this list? I think we mentioned a couple oh, of them. Oh man, there's too many to talk about. I think the <laughs> Battlesmith is yep. pretty terrible. I think um the Rune Father and the Rune Son get out of here. Uh -huh. I think the Rune Smiter and the Rune Master and the Flame. Yep. I mean literally all of the fancy ones, all of the ones yeah. you want to take, you can't take. That's right. They're no I mean, good. All Yeah, and it's like Fire Slayers have such a problem with having like memorable models because they just have a profile problem. Yeah. And, oh man, all of the most memorable ones are really bad. The Flamekeeper is a cool model, unplayable. Um, and it's yeah. a shame because... I said I like the Doomseeker. The Doomseeker is a hero, but of all the hero sculpts, I think that's my least favorite. So all right. of the if you want a cool Fire Slayer hero that uh avoids the the Fire Slayer problem, the reason that nobody plays Fire Slayers in Warcry, the fact that they all look the same. If you want a hero that doesn't look the same, people yeah, they're all terrible. Hundred percent. So um yeah, exactly. And we're, you know, like I said earlier, I think the Rune Father and the Rune Son are a trap. You think, oh, they're only 140, 135 points, you know, um, but their their profiles don't support it. Their abilities don't support it. Look elsewhere. You know, I would rather take two of those Volkite Carls than one of the Rune Father. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, yeah they, they're traps. Now, fighters, um, you actually have a much more condensed uh area here right so um it's important to recognize that the fact and it says this at the top of this page here the volkite berserker with firesteel war pick with hand axe has become the firesteel weapon and bladed sling shield so you're gonna see two um profiles but they're really just one now yeah so um right here these two uh or i guess he just um Combine it into one, which is great. Okay, yep. so um, you've got a 70-point Volkite Berserker with a pair of Firesteel Hand Axes, uh, and then you have a Firesteel Weapon and Bladed Sling Shield for 65 points. Um, between those two, which one do you like? Um, I'll say, first of all, I think they're both good, but mm -hmm. I would pick the Toughness 5 one. Yes. Because having a 65-point fighter that can counter anything off the board is really, really good. It puts this crazy constraint on, um, you know, the average player that just can be really 
really crazy for them. Uh, if I was playing a tournament, then I had to play Fire Slayers. If I was playing a tournament that was more like an invitational, where I knew every player was going to be like highly, highly informed about the metagame, uh-huh. I would expect counter control to be less successful. You know, I'd expect more things like mega bosses or giant ogre heroes or ogre yeah. myrmidons or things that are not concerned with toughness five. In that situation, yeah. I would take I would take the seventy point one with only mm-hmm. toughness four, but with a very legitimate damage profile. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think you're better off just countering people off the board, um, just getting into position getting tons of counters and just saving those five points, right? Cause you're going to have six of these guys. So yeah, right. Um, That's five points. points each time, 30 points, spend that on something else. It's going to go great. Um, yeah. That's where I would go. Yeah. And um, as we mentioned before, with the abilities, these guys have that uh, the 65 point guys have that shield charge so that if you did need them to do some damage with a, like a nice triple, they could, you know, um, so and coming out of a cheap option. guy, that's okay, right? Because yeah. normally abilities are not as good on your cheap fighters because your cheap fighters do so much less damage with those abilities. Here, that's yeah. not true. Exactly, exactly. Now, here we're getting to what I think is the the meat of this warband, and it's the Hearthguard Berserkers. Um, you know, we talked about how much we'd love the Carls. I think that these Berserkers while they're starting to get into that um, mid-range fighter point-wise and ability-wise, I think that they're actually really good. Um, they both have two-inch range, three attacks. Again, the Broadaxe has strength five, two, four damage. The Poleaxe has strength four, two, five damage. Um, the Broadaxe is 100 points. The Poleaxe is 95 points. I Personally, I would go with more Broadaxes. And, you know, and this is maybe where you're stealing those five points from your 65-point models instead of the 70. Sure. You can spend it into the 100-point models instead of the 95 ones here. So um, I, I, this is where I'm using this. Uh, they've got that ability, again, the mini Rampage. And um, these guys are just, they're mean. I like them. I like them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them. I don't think I'd ever play more than two of them, you know, okay. because they... For 100 points, they only have 12 wounds, which at that mm-hmm. point, I'm starting to get a little bit worried, especially when you have those buddies that are 65 points for 12 yeah. wounds with, with T5. But um, at yeah. range range, it that can be nice because the bases on these smaller guys are really small bases. So you can actually put them base to base to where I'm pretty sure, I think, unless I'm mistaken, the um, bulkite berserkers are on bases that are less than an inch wide. So if you put a hearthguard berserker base to base behind one, your opponent mm. cannot attack it with a one inch reach model without putting your hearthguard uh, within attacking range of them. And that's a nice little. I mean, you talked about this army likes clumps, then all the clump yeah. abilities were really bad. Well, here's a clumping situation that's actually really good. So. Right. For that reason, I really like having one or two in the list, but I wouldn't I wouldn't spam those hearth guards because I just think twelve wounds at a hundred points is a little bit dicey. Yeah. I think that's fair. 
I think that's fair. Um, and we talked about the Arik Hearthguard, about like including one, it, like you need to be conscious sure. about putting that into your list, right? Why are you yeah. why are you putting in that in there? Um, you shouldn't be putting it in there for its attack profile necessarily. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're, you're doing, doing it for it, the half net. You're doing it because you spotted two missions out of the four in your tournament that you think it's going to be valuable and you're mm -hmm. aware of certain specific guys in the meta and you've pre-measured to make sure that 18 inches does what you want to do. Um, but yeah, you could absolutely bring one. So I put together a list and I'm just going to run through it with you real quick. It's 995 points. Okay. okay. It has a uh, Hearthguard Berserker Carl. It has a Doomseeker. And it has a Volkite Berserker um, Carl. Okay, so I put three heroes in here. Okay. Uh, just, uh, you know, this is me just messing around this morning. Um, I've got one, uh, two. Um, I got two, three Auric Hearthguard Berserkers. I have one Auric Hearthguard. And then I have one two, three Volkite Berserkers with fire, uh, fire steel um, weapons and shield. So I only have three. Now, in talking about this, I would probably drop another Berserker, right, the Hearthguard Berserker, and add some more and try to rework it and add some more of my 65-point model guys in there. But this is me messing around just to get as close to 1,000 points as I could. Um, sure. It's got... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten fighters in this, which is, I think, pretty good. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's really solid. And it's fewer fire slayers, which is cool. Um, yeah. I yeah, have yeah. a not, yeah, I have a not so pure fire slayer list that I kind of like and want to share. Um, I'd start with one of those Hearthguard Berserker Carls mm -hmm. um, for 140 points. Then you can get seven of the 65-point uh, Volkite Berserkers with the shields. <laughs> okay. Uh, and those seven are 455 points, plus the 140 gets you to 595. Yeah. And then um, 100 gets you to... Um, 695, 100 for that Hearthguard Berserker with Broad yeah. And then at that point, you've got nine fighters and you still have 300 points, 305 points left. And I would spend that 305 points on a um, Italian King. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that would be my. Yeah, that would be my plan. Um, so 10 fighters with one of those fighters being an Achillean king. And then uh, just really <laughs> trying to spam people out with those 65-point toughness five guys. Yeah. I was I was kind of surprised, to be honest with you, when um, I put the list together and I was like, wow, I can keep adding more. I can keep adding more. You know, just having yeah. those 65-point models, like, it like they they start to add up really quick. Like I would not have thought that um, the fire slayers were a horde army, you know, but they absolutely can be. Right, because they're supposed to be a little bit 
on the, on the first side. And in AOS, they're not really a horde army or a elite army. They're really in between. Right. But yeah. I do think, yeah, here in our work pry world, they a horde. Um, so I do, I do, we do have to just do a quick mention about the Bladeborn fighter, the Chosen Axis. Um, yeah. We have Fuel Grimner, who is 200 points. He's uh, got uh, range 2, 3 attacks, 5 strength, 3, 6 damage. Like, I love the damage. I love the strength. I don't think for 200 points I love him for 3 attacks. I would you know? play him. Yeah. And the fighters that they have, like, are not... Like they're not even up to par with the Hearthguard Berserkers, so I wouldn't I wouldn't he's, play those either. He's from back in the day when you couldn't really play Move Three. Uh, like he comes from Warcry First yeah. Edition. That's when he got his points. And man, all of the Move Three fighters back then were just so bad. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see what happens if there's ever a uh, update to the tournament. You know, Tome of Champions and. Hopefully they get points updates, but I wouldn't even consider them to come in my my hearth uh, my fire slayer army, you know, yeah. as we did that. So awesome! Uh, that was a great uh, review of the fire slayers, and uh, you know, having never played them, I, I'm kind of want to go get a little bit of fire slayers now, you know, just to mess around with them. So it might be yeah. a fun anti-meta army because nobody's ever seen them. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's get to our main topic. We don't have a ton of time left in the show, but I think um, there's a topic that uh, has been rallying around in my brain a little bit. I get asked this all the time, especially as the Nova Open approaches. I, I get questions all the time about proxying, proxying models. Sure. I see it all the time on Facebook. I see it all the time in our Discord chats. Like, can I proxy this? What's the rules on proxying? And I think that this is born out of a lot of really strict rules, especially for 40K, you know, where like 40K is like, oh, do you have a grenade on his belt? Then he can't throw grenades. You know what I mean? And you're like, sure. oh, geez. Like, I mean, they're really strict about that. AOS is much less strict about that. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's where I really cut my wargaming teeth was in Age of Sigmar. So proxying to me has already sort of been like a, like a, okay, yeah. I mean, if it makes sense, let's do it. Right. But there's a lot of people out there that like they come from 40 K and then migrated to kill team and then migrated to Warcry, And so the idea of proxying is really kind of a big deal. Right. So um, what I wanted to do today is talk to talk about sort of like the do's and don'ts of proxying and sort of the situations in which you, should feel very comfortable proxying models and where you should maybe pay a little bit more attention in Warcry. And I think overall, what I want the takeaway to be is feel free to proxy even in tournaments, but you just need to be yeah. conscious about how you do it so that nobody has a negative play experience. Right. So that's the takeaway that I, I think that we want everybody to sort of get um, from this, but um, let's start with, narrative play open play you're in your garage with your buddies having a couple of beers proxying there right like what like like is that a no-brainer there dan i think for the most part that should be anything goes but yeah. man like be courteous like i think really low effort proxies are a little rude you know like yeah. this can 
the same base size as my mega boss. Do you right. see that? Yeah. Proxying this scan for a mega boss kind of weak thought, right? Yeah. I if someone was like, I really want to see if I should buy a mega boss here, I'm gonna use this beer can. I wouldn't stop them. I wouldn't say anything, but right. it's still a little rude. So just be aware that what yeah, you're totally. doing, if you're if you're doing the lowest effort proxies in the world, just be aware that you are making your opponent's experience less cinematic, less enjoyable. And yeah. just keep that in mind and be nice about it. Um, but otherwise, you know, most yeah. reasonable proxies I, I would be fine with. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. And, you know, there was one time that Jason and I wanted to try to play a monster, but I didn't have it built yet, but I had its base. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to put the base out there so that we can just at least move it around and see how it yeah. goes. And, and we, like, of course, we were both okay with that because we had the goal of seeing how this would perform on the table. And it wasn't even, like, I hadn't even glued it together. It was still in the sprue, you know? And so um, so we played around with that. Uh, you know, I, I do have some issues where it's like, if we're playing a Warcry game and and it's like, Oh man, I need a thirty-five or a thirty-two mil um, fighter here, Stormcast fighter here. Let me put my Space Marine in the middle. And you're like, really? Yeah. Like really? Yeah. Like you know, like like you said, be, be not Space rude. Marine model. Okay, maybe, <laughs> but if it's a Space Marine, get the out. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I but you know, it's one of those things that it's like. If you're playing Slaves of Darkness and you throw a Chaos Cultist from 40k on there, sure, okay. Yeah. You know, they kind of look the same. I'll ignore the gun, like whatever. You know what I mean? Like, not a big deal. But um, just, I like you said, be courteous about it, right? Um, now, for match play, um, tournament play, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of rules that um, I put out in the primer that um, I like to um, put out. One... Um, if you're going to proxy something, um, check, make sure you check with the tournament, because for example, um, the AO Age of Sigmar tournament, they do have, they say that proxying is okay, but if you want to play on the televised tables, you cannot have any proxy models because it needs sure. to be official GW products on there. So go into the tournament, understanding what the rules are right about proxying. I think that's, that's the first step that you need to do. Second, um, I am fine with GW products, non-GW products, 3D printed products, like whatever you want to do um, in terms of proxying. Uh, but just make sure that it like it doesn't even have to accurately represent, that it somewhat represents, right? Like if it says that it's a broadsword fighter and it has two long swords, I don't think that that's like that big of a deal. Do you know what I mean? To be honest with you, like I don't care yeah. about the weapon it has in its hand um, there. Um, if it says, uh, you know, the, the real thing that you have to pay attention to is the base size, because that does matter, right? Like if you're like, oh, this is my 20, 25 mil uh, planes runner and he's on a 50 mil base, like that's a bit of an issue, <laughs> you know, because it can move a lot more or cover a lot more ground and, you know, stuff like that. So it does need to yeah. be on the correct base size. Um, it does need to represent it. Like if it's like a chaos warrior, it shouldn't be looking like a... Um, it it, sh it shouldn't be looking like a snake figure. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Maybe if you can justify it to me narratively, I'll probably still let it go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, just, you know, like, 
just just try yeah. to get it close. I guess is what I'm saying. If it's if it's non WYSIWYG, but it's a similar size and it's on the exact same size base, and it's themed to your army or warband, yeah. I can't see an issue with it. Right. Um, something like say if you have a bloodthirster mm -hmm. and you want it to be your chimera because you're playing porn or you have a lord yeah. of change that you want to be your chimera because you're playing zine yeah. i would never stop that or like an underworld's hero standing in for a foot hero of the same mm -hmm. faction right sure i'm always okay with that the only complication there is if you've got an underworld hero standing in for a regular fighter I'm not really okay with you also having another Underworlds hero standing in for that specific Underworlds profile, right? Yes. Personally, I think all your Underworlds fighters should either be proxies or the real thing. But if you make, yeah. like, here's got some Underworlds guys who are proxies, and here we've got some Underworlds guys who are, stand are their real selves, their unique selves, I think that's pretty rude. It, it asks your opponent to do all the mental tracking, which yeah. I don't think is cool. Um, I, I wouldn't be okay with that as a TO. But um, but using Underworlds to proxy and they're on the same size base, always fine as long as that's the only thing that you're using them for. So it's funny you say that because last year at the nova open bladeborne wasn't a thing remember 2.0 sort of got rid of it like right yeah. there and it wasn't until white dwarf came out in like november that they said oh actually it is a thing again right so um so i said hey no problem if you want to proxy all the underworlds models because they look cool and they're sitting to your army great do it please because they're amazing models let's do it right this year i took the stance of saying uh, you cannot proxy a Bladeborn fighter um, because, oh, okay. yeah, because it, there's just too much confusion potential there. You know, I, I like what you said is like you either got to be all Bladeborn, you know, that like they're, they're representative Bladeborn or they're all proxies for the other ones. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, is like if you take a little, um, a little, a, uh, a little ghoul from some of those bladeborne fighters and you pop them into your um into your army of uh um why am i blanking on it your 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 army there um with other ghouls then your or your flesh eater quartz army then nobody's probably even going to notice to be yeah. honest with you because they're so close anyway you know yeah. what i mean like that like only a keen eye would really pick it up. And if they're like, Hey, wait a minute. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's just a normal goal. I think they'd be like, okay, no problem. You know what I mean? Like, I, I agree. I think where you really start to get in trouble in Warcry is the heroes because they are very distinct yeah. and stuff like that, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, so I, but I did take, I did say, look, you can't represent them all. I think where you also get in trouble is, uh, and this might work um, on your buddy's table, but not in a tournament. If I wanted to take the um, the blood sister, um, you know, who who is the uh, the sword snakes, and then I proxied it as a bow snake or whatever, that's a problem, you know. Um, even though they're yeah. the same base, same model, really closely. 
you know, um, I think you gotta, you gotta pick one or the other, you know, um, you can't, you can't have a proxy there. So that's just too, that's just too similar. Right. And the whole goal of all of this is to make sure that you're not creating confusion for your opponent, which when they're like, well, wait a minute, I thought that one shot because it has a bow in its hand and that's all it had. It didn't do melee like that, you know, um, that, that creates a negative play experience, right? Yeah. 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 Like what you said about the, um, about the snakes makes a lot of sense or like here I've got Snurk Thour Tongue, right? And he could mm-hmm. be the fanatic that has the spikes, but having him come in as the fanatic that has the big mushroom on a chain, uh, would be a little bit sketchy if you've also got some spike guys or if you've also got, you know, other things. I think that could be pretty confusing. So, yeah, I yeah. agree with you there that um, separate out your profiles so that it looks the most like the profile it is that it's standing in as. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that Lord of Change being a Chimera would be a lot less cool if you were running a Chimera and a Mutalith Vortex piece, right? Right. Uh, um, obviously, you can't do that, but you know what I mean as far as yeah. uh, creating the confusion there. Yeah, but, you know, and on the flip side, uh, you know, there's a lot of heroes um, in Age of Sigmar that make great proxies for uh, models in in Warcry. I think, like, for example, uh, Radicar um, from the uh, Curse sure. City box is a great vampire lord, you know, yeah. like great vampire lord. And nobody's going to confuse him with anything else because he doesn't have a Warcry profile. You know, right. and uh, I, I think what is it, Brock Gunderson or something like that from um, oh, KO? Yeah. yeah, they're like, can I, I use KO him as an hero. admiral? Yeah. yeah, they're like, can I use him as an admiral? Great, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? You because could use him as an admiral, you could use him as an aether chemist. I mean, as yeah. long as you're not running an admiral and an aether chemist as well, but yeah, you could yeah. use him as like half of the KO foot heroes, and I think it would be totally fine. Um, yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts on 100% proxy warbands? So I'm thinking something like uh, 40k Tyranids proxying for Flesh Eater Courts. Because, mm-hmm. for example, the, um, what is the little, is it the Termagant or the Hormagant? But the yeah. melee little guy is on the same base as the ghoul. And right. then, you know, they've got some... They've got some kind of chunkier fighters that could stand in for, say, your Crypt Horrors. Uh, so, like, to me, if everything is, um, if everything that's supposed to be melee is melee is standing in for a melee guy, and everything's on the same base, I would be okay with it personally. Like, if you had. Um, melee Tyranid Warriors that are on the same base as Crypt Horrors. And then you had your Hermagants that are standing in as ghouls. And then you had, I don't even know the name of the guy who's on the same base as, like, you know, a big hero, um, yeah. the Vargul Court here. But you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. To me, that would be okay. But you just have to do a lot of work to make sure that everything is sort of representing something that's similar. Yeah, I think that 
Um, like if someone came up to me at Nova and said, I've got these Tyranids, I want to play as Flesh Eater Chords, right? And I'm saying, okay. Um, you know, I, I would really posit that. You know what I mean? Because it is a tournament, sure. you know? Um, I, I would really posit that. If I were playing in my buddy's garage, like totally, let's do this. You know what I mean? Um, and, and the reason I would pause a little bit is that like people playing Warcry may not know what a termagant versus a hormagant versus a flying, you know, flying, or uh, what was it, the Von, Von Leapers, uh, Von Johnson's Yeah, whatever leapers, they are. Von Ryan's Leapers, right? Like, they don't know, like, what those are necessarily. And so if you look at the list, it says ghoul, but then I'm looking at the models and I don't know, okay, well, which one's the ghoul supposed to be? Like, the person who is practicing really has to do a really, really good job of explaining the army before every match, right? And explaining every activation almost. They have to say, okay, I'm activating this guy who's like a ghoul, right? And doing it so that they understand. And would that kind of pull you out of sort of the the proxy narrative that you have planned in your mind? Like maybe a little bit, you know? But you have to be that clear, I think, if you're going to use a fully proxied army in a tournament i think that's true i think you need to be the one doing the work you can't make yeah. your opponent do the work um the reason i was thinking with with pyranids is because flesh eater courts just have such a huge like model size difference between yeah. the big ones and the little ones um but i could see something that would be a little bit tougher like doing a lord of the ring force to be your cities of sigmar where everything's kind of close, but the Lord of the Rings, like heroes that aren't in the fellowship, right, don't really look that different from the regular people. <laughs> yeah. And the same is true in Cities of Sigmar. And so, like, that could be tough. I think you would need to do a lot of work to make that sort of read right. But, you know, some of those Lord of the Rings fighters are pretty similar in terms of their vibe the cities of sigmar so yeah. if you did put in the work i think you could do it uh the same with like necrons being ocr bone reapers um right stuff because necrons don't have a lot of melee guys uh so you might not really be able to make that work but yeah um, it's something i'd love to see but you may you may you know find a whole 3d printing line that is not like you may find a quote unquote cities line on uh, yep. 3D printing that you would really have to say like, okay, these guys are my pistoliers. These guys are my, you know, um, Phoenix guard, et cetera, you know? And so um, that, that, you know, again, 3D printing is a great way to proxy, you know? And I think yep. that cities, interesting that we talk about cities, cities has a ton of models that you cannot find anymore. Like they right. like there's a profile for Lordling in there that was like the cheapest like hero fighter that could give you that uh swift as the wind, you know, but that's you can't find that Lordling model anywhere. It was like gone in the nineteen eighties or something like that, you know. Yeah. So you have to proxy. <laughs> you have to proxy that. And you right. know, putting uh Boromir in there instead of the Lordling, I think is a okay. You know what I mean? Because it's like there's no other model for Boromir, but you know. And then at that point, you may as well have Gondorian Tower Guard as your um, your halberdiers, right? Because yep. I think that's what Gondor people use. So then it's like, yeah, then that kind of leads its way into kind of a 
a full proxy force. Um, yeah. One thing that's cool about those 3D printed lines is a lot of them are specifically done to be WYSIWYG. Yeah. And I think if it's WYSIWYG, I don't even think you should have to ask your TO. I think if it's WYSIWYG, it's just like no questions sure. asked. This is fine. Yeah, it's shield and a dagger or something like that. And it's for yep. a clan rat, right? Shield and a dagger. And you've got a rat that has a shield and a dagger. Totally. Right. Like you don't even need yep. to ask. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, and, and they do that a lot of those on purpose. Like I found a whole bunch of kill team 3D model stuff that was like, wow, these are exactly like the uh, veteran guardsmen, you know, and yeah. um, down to the same weapons and everything, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you think of any other weird corner cases that have either tripped up proxiers that you've seen or kind of a theoretical situation that could be weird? What do you think? So the I think one time one thing that I have seen is using old models for that model. Oh um, sure. You know, so like uh, a bunch of Warcry players have come from Mordheim, um, or even like Warhammer Fantasy back in the day. So I think I saw one time a guy brought in um, an an orc that was just so old school, and you're just like, what are we looking at here? Do you know what I mean? But because <laughs> we didn't know, but he's like, oh, that's the shaman, you know, from the cruel boys that he's using. And you're like, yeah. okay, that's fine. He's got a little staff and he's got like a little weird hat on and stuff like that, you know, and funny paint. And so you're like, okay, cool. You know, um, so, yeah. you know, using really old, old models, sometimes you have to be like, okay, what exactly are we looking at here? And as soon as they usually explain it, you're like, okay, I got it. You know, um, not, not a problem. Um, you I hope think you that ha- they've rebased them, right? Yes. Like, if your should. old model has a square base, that is a little awkward. I would never say anything in sort of our weekly casual games or in narrative play, but in a tournament, I would kind of look at that sideways a little bit. Um, I would, if yeah, someone if brought that to case. a tournament, if somebody brought that to a tournament, I would say, go down to the vendor hall and go pick up a 25 mil base and put it, like, blue tack that on there do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. because like <laughs> you, like honestly like the base does matter a lot and that's that is like more than anything um i think that you have to be careful sometimes about and this sort of gets into like make sure you know what you're proxying uh the difference between a a, a champion a long beard a um a uh not a fire drake a um what is it the long drakes no, yep. it is fire drakes. Um, I know what you mean, though. Yep. Like they're not. There's not a lot of difference between those models. Like some of them have shields and hammer. Some of them just have big hammers. Some of them have like you know, like like little cannon things. Um, so if you're going to 3D print your models, you have to be very careful that like the thing that you, if you think you're printing out a champion, doesn't have a shield. You know what I mean? And so there are times that and it does. WYSIWYG does matter. You know? And in some situations, actually going and getting 3D prints, that's better. Because yeah. some of those cities of Sigmar guys, they yeah, they look exactly the same despite having really different profiles. There's a ton of factions where the unit champ just looks like another one of the regular right. fighters. Um, so it would actually be nice if you proxied your unit champ for a sweet 3D print. Um, yeah. Just to make it be different, right? 
Uh, yeah, totally. With the DW gulps, it doesn't look any different. So there can be situations there where, where proxying actually makes it easier to explain everything to your opponent. Yeah, and I mean, like, the Bone Splitters is a great example, right? Making a more boy versus a more boy boss. Uh, the yeah. difference was is that I put a head on it that had a little feather on the top. Like that yeah, was, you know, or the, or the, you know, the little like uh, uh, bands of hair or whatever it was. That was uh -huh. literally the difference between those, right? And so yeah. I had to, I had to sit down with my opponent and be like, okay, these guys with the little top knots, those are the bosses. Like these guys that look exactly yep. like them, those are not the bosses. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, so, uh, but yeah, I. So again, just kind of wrapping this up. Feel free to proxy. Proxying, I think, is encouraged, especially if you really want to do something cool with your army and make it stand out. And, you know, some of these model lines um, haven't had a refresh since the 90s. And so, like, there's a lot of cool sculpts out there that you can get from either other product lines or 3D printing or something like that that really makes your army stand out and looks really cool. Like, go for it. Do it. Like, just be cautious about when and how you're doing it right like make yeah. sure that they have the right base size make sure that they're accurately representing what you need them to represent and make sure that it doesn't create any extra confusion for your uh, opponent that might create some negative play experience and i think if you follow those rules any to in warcry will be happy to work with you on your on your proxies you know um, because you're being respectful for your opponent at that point and from a competitive perspective in a larger tournament, anything with more than like 15, 16 players, it can be almost impossible to win best painted or get close to winning best painted without a proxy. It's mm -hmm. just what people vote for. People vote for proxies. They love those. Yep. So, yep. And so, yeah, really consider it because if it's a tournament where best overall is a thing, then getting as many painting votes as you can really matters. And so, mm -hmm you can actually get to where going without a proxy is like massively hamstringing yourself i personally try to not just vote for proxies um because i know a lot of people do but um yeah you could definitely it's a thing to think about if you're going to a larger tournament and you want to win it yeah yeah definitely definitely so well dan thank you so much for the conversation tonight it's great to have you back um, you know, yeah. too much, too much good stuff to talk about and, uh, appreciate your insight as always, everybody. If you, um, want to learn more about Warcry, we want to get better at the game, join us in our discord. We have a lot of very talented players that are in there that are active, that answer a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome when our tabletop and beyond crew rolls out to tournaments and they're like typically in the, in the top percentages there. Um, just because we, we do have some very talented players. So join us in our discord, come listen to us, come, um, learn if you're, if you're interested. And if you are one of those top players, come and teach us too, because we, we like to learn as well. So, um, thank you so much, everybody have a great night. And, uh, of course we will see you at the tables. Good night, everybody. Good night.